it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. We here at the Echoes of Calvary would like to wish you a very happy Father's Day. Today, Pastor Elliot returns to Romans chapter 7 verses 1 to 6 to teach that the dead are free and disengaged from the law. Additionally, the co-crucified with Christ believer ought to be water baptized soon after conversion to visualize his or her disengagement from the law. Last, we will see that we have been redeemed to be fruitful. So, be fruitful! And now, with this message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. I want you to imagine this that a driver is speeding recklessly westbound on the JFK highway. And a police officer detects this, flashes the police car's lights to pull him over for a big dollar speeding ticket. The reckless motorist decides to try to outrun the police. He speeds up to an incredibly dangerous speed, and then at the last minute, the fleeing driver pulls off the road and totally loses control of his car. It rolls over several times and it bursts into flames. And the driver is killed. The policeman approaches the burning wreckage. He knows that the driver could not have possibly survived. And he pulls the body of the driver out of the burning car, and clearly the man is dead. This very sad fact means that the policeman doesn't go ahead and write up the speeding ticket and pin it to the dead man's clothes. The dead are freed from the law. This is the fact of the first six verses of Romans 7. And in reality, believers like us are freed from the law. We are, put another way, believers in reality are disengaged from the law. Again, to say it another way, the principle is that the law no longer has authority on the dead. It only has authority on the living. Now, what is Scripture's illustration? We say there's a principle. We just saw that the law only has jurisdiction over the dead. The second thing I wanted you to see was an illustration. And the illustration in this passage is in verses 2 and 3, and it's marriage. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. So the illustration of this is marriage. And the law of marriage, which is monogamy, one man, one woman for life, heterosexual, a man with a woman, is God's law for marriage. But God's law for marriage and its monogamy applies only so long as both spouses are living. 
But if one of the spouses dies, here in the text, the husband in the illustration, then the other spouse is totally free to remarry. And so a widower or a widow are free to remarry. The law of marriage does no longer apply to them because their first mate died. And again, the fact, to review the fact of these verses, is that God is using the reality of our co-crucifixions with Christ. And the fact of that is that we are disengaged from the law. Now let's take up the application. The application of this great fact for you and me to see that, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. Clearly, this verse is addressing my brethren. That means these are born-again Christians. These are not fringe people. These are not fakers. These are real Christians. My brethren, believers in Jesus Christ, born-again Christians, then we notice that we are told we were made to die. We didn't volunteer. We didn't say, I guess I'll die. When we trusted Christ, we're joined to him. We were joined to him. We were made to die because we are co-crucified with Christ. We may not live like we're co-crucified with Christ, but if we're saved, the actual truth is we are co-crucified with Christ, and it's time to live like it. And so we're made to die implies we've already been executed with the law. And last time we said there were no survivors of crosses and there were no suicides on crosses. You were made to die when a Roman soldier nailed you to a tree. And through our union with Christ and through our identification with Christ in death by crucifixion, going back to 6, 2, and 3, May it never be, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? If you're a Christian, you've been spirit baptized into Christ. You've been joined to him both in his death and resurrection. By the way, if you're a born-again Christian and you've never been water baptized, you're disobedient. Water baptism is a visual expression of an already completed spiritual reality. We're commanded to baptize, so that means we're commanded to ask for water baptism. And so we need to remember that this reality that we have died to sin is a separation reality. It's not a cessation reality. When we say we've died to sin, it doesn't mean that we're incapable of responding to the law of sin and death. What it does mean that the Spirit of God putting us into Christ separates us from the law of sin and death, and we don't have to respond to it. Sometimes we do. Paul did too, chapter 7. So the death we're talking about here is a separation and not a cessation. So stay with me. That we have died to sin means that we have separation from sin's rulership in our lives. That we have died to sin means that uh, we have victory over sin. We aren't compelled to sin We can choose to sin, lousy choice, but we're not compelled to sin. When the law of sin and death says jump, we don't have to say, how high? We can say, get lost. The Spirit of God lives in me. I'm not doing your bidding anymore. I don't have to sin. I don't want to sin. And so what are the happy results of dying to the law? What are the life-changing results of being separated from the law? There are two. Result number one, we are joined to Christ in his righteousness. We are joined to Christ in his righteousness. 
chapter 6, 4, and 5, quickly. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So the great result, the first great result, the life-changing result of being disengaged from the law is that we have been joined to Christ in his righteousness. Second result, we can and will produce godly fruit. Before you were a Christian, you could not produce godly fruit because it came from an impure heart. But now that we are separated from the law virtue, by virtue of our co-crucifixion with Christ, the happy result is we can produce godly fruit, and actually we will produce godly fruit as we walk controlled by the Holy Spirit moment to moment. Back to chapter 7, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ that you might be joined together to him who was raised from the dead, that result, purpose, we might bear fruit for God. You've been saved to bear fruit. You have been redeemed to be fruitful. Are you? Does the person who works beside you at your workplace see godly fruit in your attitudes, your words, your work habits? Does the, do the children in your home see godly fruit as you interact with them? We have been co-crucified with Christ and disengaged from the law of sin and death so that we can produce godly fruit. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this is another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to talk about forgiveness. And we will talk about how, in our relationship with Christ, how Christ forgave us even when we wanted nothing to do with Him. But I also want to think on our side, as we can consider a person who we may all think of in our own lives, who we can say we tried to befriend, we did all that we can to make that relationship work. But the relationship, for some reason, never worked because, for whatever reason, the people did not connect. Well, we can consider that even in our relationship with Christ. Because I think so many times if we consider our relationship with Christ, Christ pursued us so many times in our own lives, but yet we wanted nothing to do with Him. And I wanted you to think of a story that I, I came across, and I want you to think of your own life. And this is about a story about a woman named Mary Johnson whose son was killed by four gunshots during a gang-related altercation, where basically through the help of the detectives and through eyewitnesses, they were able to find the gunman, and they were able to lock the guy up for the death of her son. And it came a point where she was angry. She had so much anger in her life, and she did not know what to do and know where to turn. But the only thing that she could remember in her life was the forgiveness that God had given her. And so as a result... She showed that same forgiveness to her son's killer. And I want you to imagine that for a second as even a young person. When somebody does something to you, when you go through a time of trouble, when you are a friend says something bad about you, sometimes we get very angry. And sometimes those relationships are finished because of, of something that someone said. But here we see as, as a lady, a mother, her son was killed. And she had... And she knows the forgiveness that God had given her. So the only thing that she could do is to not be hating these um, 
the gunmen, but she had to love them and to forgive them. What a testimony to think about. And as I consider even in my life and, and, and imagine someone doing that to my daughter, that would be a hard thing to do. Even as a pastor, it would be a very hard thing to do because as I consider, that's a gift that God has given me. But we have to remember that in everything that we have, that God is sovereign, He's in control, and He has a purpose for it all. And as we consider that, if we think of our relationship with Christ, we need to consider what, what God says in His Word in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. And we need to understand that in our relationship with Christ, especially for us who call ourselves believers, we need to understand that there were times in our lives where we wanted nothing to do with God. We thought to ourselves that we had it all together. We thought that, you know what, I don't, I don't need God at this point in my life. And a lot of us, even as young people, we think sometimes that, well, I, I can do that as I get older. But I'm sure you have been looking at the news and you've seen a 15-year-old being killed, a 16-year-old being killed, a 17-year-old, and the list goes on. And so we never know when our time has come. But we know that if we have the hope in Jesus Christ, we know that we have a hope that, that, that doesn't count on us, but it counts on Him. And I think that that's the greatest place to be. And this is what Romans 5 or 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. We need to understand that we had no hope, we could do nothing for ourselves, and we have to understand that Christ came at the right time. It wasn't the wrong time. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to do it this, this day. No, no, it was the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. You see, Christ did not come to this earth and die for the righteous or those who are rich or who, you know, think they have it all together, but he died for the ungodly. And verse 7 brings that point home. It says for this, For rarely will someone die for just a person, though for a good person someone might even dare to die. Wow, imagine that for a second. I want you to think of a time in your life when you could to really ask yourself this question, that would you really die for someone you did not know? Or would you die for someone who did you wrong? Or who was, you know, who treated you badly? Because I think that we need to understand that this is what Christ is saying, that he died for a person who someone might not even dare to die for. But verse 8, is, it brings us hope. It says, this, but God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we, when we wanted nothing to do with God, when God, when we wanted to pursue the world and do all that we can for the world, God said, you know what? I died for you. I love you. I showed you my love by my death. And we need to understand that as that is saying, there are two key words at the beginning of verse. It says, but God. You see, but is a small word, but in the, in the scripture, it has such great meaning because we see what God did. We see a but in that. Because as we see at verse 7, it talks about how someone dies for a good person. But God died for us while we were still sinners, when we wanted nothing to do with God. And like I said at the beginning, I talked about how we can consider that Christ would die for us, the helpless, the one without hope, and he came at the right time. So I want to challenge you this morning as you consider this, as you are listening, to ask yourself this question. Do you love God? Or do you have a relationship? What is it you're going through in life right now? Is it something that you feel like you have no guidance, no help with? Do you need to turn where you can have some hope? The reality of it is that we, all of us as believers, we can only find hope in Jesus Christ. As we consider what's going on around our, our island and around the world, we need to understand that that's the only hope that we have. 
you know, this is being recorded at this time and just two weeks ago when an eight-year-old is being killed in his house doing homework. You know, when you consider that, that here it is, a young, a young boy is just minding his own business, doing what he's supposed to do, doing his schoolwork, and yet he gets shot in his home. What devastation. But we need to understand something that the only time that and the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. And I would challenge each one of us as we are listening to this broadcast and as we think of our own lives that we would recognize that we all need Jesus. Whether we're going through times of trouble, because we have to understand that times of trouble are around the corner if we're not going through a trial right now. You see, storms are not, we don't ask ourselves, oh, when the storm, is a storm going to come? But we need to ask ourselves, when is that storm going to come? And we need to understand that we have a God who is in control of this, who sees it before we even see it. And he has already proven his love for us. He has proven how much our hope is in him because he died for us while we were still sinners. You see, Christ didn't say, oh, get your life right and then come to me. No, he says, I loved you while you were still sinners, while you wanted nothing to do with me. That's when I loved you. And you see, I think sometimes in the church we have it all wrong because I think sometimes we expect people to come and to be changed already and we think that they're going to be perfect. But re- reality is that none of us are perfect. If we're all honest with ourselves as one, we all struggle with sin that even some people don't know about. But God knows. And what grace of a God who forgives us of our sin, no matter what we have done, He is there. And he has proven his love for us. While we still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas Rogers, and you are listening to another edition of Utah. It's time now for today's personal God story. Well, good morning. We have Duet and Sally Simonette in our radio studio, and I'm going to be speaking with them about their God stories, their testimonies, and I know that they have a lot to share. So, uh, Sister Sally, good morning. Good morning, Pastor Alan. We're so glad that you're here. And we know that you have had a very interesting life. And I wonder if you could tell our listeners uh, where you were born and about your family and some of your experiences as a young person. I was born in Nassau, but I lived in Cherokee Sound, Avaco. And I stayed there until I was about, uh, I was about 19 years old or 20 years old. Yeah. I stayed there, yeah. And I came down to Nassau. Well, in my earlier days, like seven, eight, nine, my father was taken away with a illness and uh, down to Nassau. So mom had to go to work to take care of the, the whole complete family. Yeah. She just worked in the house with different people doing housework. And things were very rough. And some days, we didn't know where we were going to find food to eat because we, we had a boat, but then Mom didn't go out in the boat often because she had to go to work, so we probably got in the afternoons and to go catching fish and conch. And uh, we lived off the, just fish and conch most of the time. Yes. Yeah, and, and which is good. Yes. And I still like it today. <laughs> but um, sometimes, some days... Things would get very rough. My mother couldn't go out in the boat. So if we didn't have anything to cook, most of the time we would have to um, ask the Lord to intervene. Mm-hmm. 
to provide for us. I remember, there's so many days I could remember, and I, I wish there's some days I could remember, that um, mom would get up and she'd say, well, there's nothing in the kitchen to eat today. So, so I would say to my mom, what are we going to do? She just said, we trust the Lord for everything. So that's what we did. And um, a couple of days this happened, a particular one afternoon, we didn't have anything to eat. I mean, absolutely nothing. And my mother would, um, she said, we set the table. So I said, mom, set the table. What are we going to put in the place? She said, that's okay. The Lord's going to send us some food. That's marvelous. She set the table. We set the table. I set the table. You set the table. Yeah. And um, we set the table. We, we, we said grace. By the time we were finished praying for the food, I saw this lady coming up the road. So I said, Mom, sorry to interrupt, but um, there's a lady coming in. She's got a hand full of food. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't see the food, but I just said, full of food. She said, but the Lord, we asked him to provide, and he's going to provide. And she would, she would bring us complete for two days. Wow. Food for two days. Most of the times it would be, in church, it would be fish. Sure. Uh, stew fish or boiled fish. That's the most of the time we would have that boiled fish and fresh bread. Wow. Or Johnny Cake. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That you was could, good food. You so. could almost smell it from... Oh, yes. Yeah. So we would eat off of that and leave it off for, uh, for the next day. And that went on for a couple, couple months. Months. That went on for months. People would bring us food like that, yeah. Because, you know, we, we, we generally had, more, a lot, we had a lot of fruit trees. But of course, you know, the fruits don't, don't develop every day. No. But when they were in season, we had a lot of fruits. Yes. Oranges, grapefruit, hamons, tamarinds, dillies, and, and you, you could name it, we had it in our lot. Lovely. Oh, last time. We, we, would, we, we would eat that if you got hungry. And you know, Pastor, that would fill you up too when you finish eating all those tamarinds. Oh, uh, 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 sure. Yeah, and it was good for you. Yes. Yeah. I, lo- I love that story yeah. that your, yeah, your mommy had you set the table with nothing in the pantry. Yeah, nothing, nothing on the table. Wow. I mean, nothing, only water. Water's on the table. Boy, that must have left an impression on you, Sister Sally. It did. It did. But it, 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 it cost me to, um, to love the Lord. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a Christian at that time, but I, I said there's got to be a God somewhere for my mother to really believe in God like that. And every morning, she would get up. We would pray me every morning and every night, like my husband's doing now, every morning, every night. And uh, if, if, if we were, you know, our kids are there, they don't want to get up at early in the morning, she would say, time for prayer. And we had a little tiny little radio that you could, Bonaire, Bonaire? Yes. You remember that, 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 that program? Yes. We would put, uh, put the, the, her radio to that, and we would hear that Christian music playing. And, and, and in the background, the music is playing, and Mommy would sing some songs, and then we, she would read a scripture, and then we would pray. Every morning and every night. Beautiful. That was parenting. That was Christian parenting. Yes. Wonderful. So you said you weren't a Christian yet. I was Yeah, when you saw those answers to prayer, but but they showed you that truly is a God. This God. But tell us a little bit about how God uh, drew you to Christ to be, for him to be your Savior. Okay, at that time, I can't remember how old I was at that time. I mean, all that just was whole bit, but probably I was about... 17, 18, going on that. Uh, Talmadge and Margie Butler came from Texas mm-hmm. to be a missionary at, at uh, 
at the church in Cherokee Town. Mm-hmm. And um, they got they, they were very, very friendly people. They got to know me, and they asked some um, mom, could I go with them in the plane, the little plane, from uh, Highland to Highland preaching the gospel? Mm. So, yeah, so mom said, well, <clears throat> if she wants to go, she could go, you know. I, I don't mind going. So I said, I would love to go. I said, all of my life, I, I, I really wanted to go to, I don't know why I wanted to go to Africa, but that's where I wanted to go. Huh. We have one of my friends now, uh, granddaughter's there. I always wanted to go to Africa to be a missionary. And, and Brother Butler said, well, Sally, you don't have to go to Africa to be a missionary. You could be a missionary in your own home. Yes. Oh, I said, oh, I thought that you had to go another country to be a missionary. He said, no. And after I read the Bible and, and studied the Bible and taught about it, you could be a missionary in your own home. Yes. You don't have to be a missionary in a foreign country. That's correct. So I, I never went to, to be a missionary. But he said you could go with, along with us from country to country, and I did. Like I said, I think I was about eight, 17, 18 then. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But I used to go with them just about everywhere they went. And uh, this week we were going to Sandy Point. Yes. That's one of the Howard Islands. And um, the plane crashed. Wow. In the mangroves. Really? And Pastor Butler said, Sally, and he prayed, of course, all they would do were praying, praying and crying. We were just praying and crying. I just said, he said, if the Lord would have taken us right now, would you have gone to heaven? Yes. I said, I know, because I haven't accepted the Lord. I said, I'm not a bad person, but I haven't accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. So I got saved in the mangroves. With the plane wreck around you. Uh, wow. That's, that's a story. That's what I got there. So, um, obviously, uh, the plane was wrecked. Yes. But the, the the missionary wasn't at all concerned about no. the airplane. No, he, he was, was concerned, concerned about, about your soul. Yes. He was concerned about my soul because he knew him and his wife. They, they, they were straight to go to heaven. Mm. But... And, and say, well, I couldn't swim, so therefore the, the plane was in the mangroves, but we were waiting on somebody to come and get us. And then they got us and put us in the car, and they towed the plane back to, to um, Cherokee. So that, that, but we used a pilot, he was a pilot and a mechanic, so he fixed it himself. What had happened, yeah. That is a story. It, 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 it was amazing. It was really amazing. <laughs> but I asked the Lord in my life, and then... You have been listening to The Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to this service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior. Savior.